I think in that point in my life to really know that my value was not determined in my achievements would be would be the biggest thing that you're you're so much more than that and um yeah fundamentally beautiful in who you are i really struggled to own that when i was younger welcome to the dreaming out loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired learn the tips tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life I'm your host, Morgan Nelson. Each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dreaming Out Loud with your host, me, Morgan T. Nelson. Look, guys, before we get started in today's interview, I'm obligated to share something with you that's been a complete freaking game changer to my life. If you want to grow any kind of business or grow yourself, grow your income or pursue your dream, do you know where it all actually starts? It starts with your health. So your outer world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So when you're thinking clearer and sharper, and you're feeling healthier, happier, and you've got more energy and vitality, everything around you starts to amplify. So that's why I have one of these bad boys every single day. It's called BEA or a beer is what I call it. It stands for Botanical Energy and Adaptogens. So guys, this is straight up the world's healthiest energy drink. It's been a complete game changer in my life and my business. It's jam-packed full of all the good stuff that our bodies actually need every single day and it has a full serving of vegetables, but tastes nothing like it, thank God, right? That's pretty good. Uh, it's so freaking easy. I love it. It's so easy to be able to swap this out for a coffee. Like I used to be a coffee fanatic, energy drink fanatic, and this is just way, way, way better to swap it out for these things, you know? When I used to be a carpenter, I lived off energy drinks because I knew that I needed it to get through the big days of work. Otherwise, I'd just crash out. But I also knew the damage it was doing to my body every single day. And if I continued doing it, I knew that ultimately my life would just start to get even worse than what it was. So I'm so freaking stoked that now I've got my hands on this drink, that it's got a nourishing blend of raw nutrients sourced from whole fruit, fruits and vegetable ingredients, guys. And it's got none of the bad stuff that ruins the insides of your bodies. So if you guys want to grab your case of BEA, then jump in the link of this episode right now and you're going to get 25% off as one of my listeners. All right, jump in right now, grab yours and come and share a can with me. All right, now let's get into this interview. All right, so today's guest is known as a multi-award winning social entrepreneur, but she prefers to be seen as the unstoppable messenger of love and human potential have impacted over a quarter of a million people worldwide with her unconventional models of community development and transformation. She is currently the CEO of a global movement, Love Out Loud, which is engaging 4% of the global population by the end of 2020 to successfully facilitate the world's largest love-based movement. When she was 18 years old, she established a not-for-profit uh, that worked with youth mental health and community capacity building engaging tens of thousands of young people across Australia and the UK in unconventional conversations of vulnerability, self-love, vision, and connection. This was inspired after a terrifying lived experience of anorexia nervosa. After completing a significant national tour at 20 years old, she was a finalist for the Young Australian of the Year and listed as Australia's top 100 most influential women at 21. Shortly after taking out the Pride of Australia medal, She's been featured in the Financial Review, made the cover of the Yellow Pages, and had a documentary aired on Prime TV and Prime National Television. 
She's made a vast impact on a health and education landscape in Australia and has served as the youngest Commonwealth Commissioner for, for Health in history. Ad, uh, advising directly to the Australian Federal Health Minister and Prime Minister of Australia. So please guys, help me welcome the woman who has spoken in tens of countries all around the world, including speaking on the stages of Mind Valley University multiple times, and now the author of Love Out Loud, my friend, my homie, Miss Nicole Gibson. Thanks, folks. <laughs> I'm so excited to um to finally do this with you. This has been really, really cool. Yeah. I'm glad that I've been able to catch you while you're living in here in Australia. So thanks to coronavirus. True, true force, forcible forcible enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um because every single other time we catch up, it's in different countries, right? Like we first met. We met in Mexico. Do you remember that? Yeah, we met in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met in Mexico, um, and then yeah, in Bali, and then back here in Australia, and, and all around. Mm-hmm. So it's so freaking cool. But Nicole, you've—that's probably a hundred percent the biggest bio I've ever done for anyone, and <laughs> and and the the most interesting as well. So please, do you want to take everybody through where where did all this start from? You had like surely didn't wake up just one day. And now you're facilitating this love movement of four percent of the entire global population right how did this all begin yeah it's um i always laugh about the fact that they got to a point in my journey where the logical next step was to try and engage 350 million people in the message of love (laughs) and it really wasn't like i didn't get to that i didn't arrive at that vision or that point of inspiration by like trying to construct these ideas it really was a natural unfolding of all of my experiences um that kind of helped me realize that ultimately what all of us want as a human being is to be loved Mm. and to love, you know, to live a life that we love and to have people that we love and to be loved for all of us in return. Um, And I guess for me, like so many people, I guess, sort of really learned the true value of, of love and compassion. Often you've experienced the opposite. And my struggles, you were reading in my bio with eating disorder, eating, eating disorder early on was like, you know, living the opposite of the message that I teach now, living inside a, a prison that I didn't know how to get out of a series of kind of constructed ideals in my head that um, I was never going to be good enough for. And that constant striving and the imprisonment that that created for me by the time of intervention um, and I sort of consider that intervention not just the intervention that happened um, with my school principal, who was the one to kind of come in and actually intervene. But for me, it was a very, like, it was very divine intervention. I started having, um, I guess, the symptoms of, like, an awakening. Mm. And I really contribute that to the thing that potentially saved my life, definitely put me on the path that I am now. Um, and everything that we experience as a human being is always going to be in polarity. So having experienced that darkness made me very inspired to, to live that light. Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what was making Like what, what was the kind of like what happened before all that to kind of put you in that state? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors and even 10 years on, I'm still kind of unraveling the way that that, impacted my psyche and and why and how and how come other young people that had had similar experiences and developed such a severe illness you know what what was it about how I perceived those experiences or experienced or felt those experiences 
but I had a very unconventional childhood. I grew up between um, London and here, and I went to a lot of different schools. So born here or schools. in London? I was born here, but I moved okay. over there when I was six, so I was yeah. quite young. And um, a large part of my childhood was spent, you know, in, in limbo going between the two. Um, and often I'd only be at a school for six months or a year before moving again. So I experienced a lot of transition and a lot of change. No wonder I now really support people at pivotal points of transformation and change mm-hmm. in their life because I experienced so much of that. Um, but I guess as a young person, it, it manifested as feelings of not really knowing how to feel secure because I was always going, um, you know, going somewhere new and leaving somewhere. And that absence of security mixed in with, I guess, uh, growing up in, in quite a uh, higher socioeconomic family, I guess is the best way to describe it, with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation. Um, not that that was avert, but that's always what I felt. I felt mm-hmm. that there was an expectation that I needed to live up to. Um, but then also being so deeply different and creative and not, not traditional <laughs> in, in, in any, any sense. Um, ultimately, I left mainstream school at 14 to pursue performance and I went to an amazing academy for performance. I majored in theatre. Um, and I had this opportunity to pursue the thing that I loved most. You know, my, my ultimate dream was to be a performer. But on the other hand, no one was teaching me about self-love. No one was teaching me what it meant to, to be enough for myself. So I think the combination of all of those things just accumulated um, and then just started to snowball into this illness that really had its grips in me. Yeah. So let's go into self-love because for so long I thought, A, I thought self-love was like mushy shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. <can be>. <laughs> I, I honestly thought I was like, oh, you know, that's for people that you know, just like you know, gone down the rabbit hole or or, or whatever, right? So that's for people that have got trauma and things like that. That's what I I thought, right? Because um, we only know what we know. And then I thought it was like kind of self confidence mm. until I started to realize, I'm like, oh, like different things that happen that I kind of. So I realized for myself. So what is the difference? What actually is self-love? How do you know if you need to work on it? How do you know what it is? How do you work on it? Mm. I'm so interested to know first, like what, where have you landed with that? How do you currently see self-love in your frame? How do I, how do, what do you mean? What do you, what would you define it as after going through that journey of yeah, okay. judging so, it? And- <clears throat> so what, what, how I kind of define now, like, so I used to think, you know, I'm a pretty confident person. So I'd be like, oh, I have self-confidence. I thought that was self love right if you love yourself you're kind of confident so i would do things i was conscious of being like you know i need to fill up my own cup first i'm not going to talk bad to myself things like that um you know so then that's kind of what i thought now what i know is like self-love is actually like if you don't have it we've got so many vices Mm. and like a ways to kind of deal with the uncomfort of sitting with ourselves. so what i started to realize was the like I'm a very social person. I'd always like to go out and drink and party and I've had a wild background. Mm. And what I realized now is that they were all my kind of vices of to try to escape reality. Because when I'm just on my own or have to face my own shit, I don't like that. Yeah. So it was easy for me to go and drink, go and party, go do drugs or whatever, or like chase women or whatever to get that validation, mm-hmm. to get that approval, uh, to get that certainty instead of just actually yeah, the security. being with myself and 
so I, I'm I'm fully into this now, and I think it's so huge. I like people should really start learning all this stuff because I get now, now I just see and we we're talking before we record this, right? It's like now when I coach with people, it's like the first thing, like nearly everything stems back to just actually the need to be loved, and they're trying to get it elsewhere instead of just finding it in themselves. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think I really um, like resonate so deeply with that definition, and it's really how I see self-love as well it's the ability to be present with yourself you know when you're think about when you're falling in love with a person how deeply present you are with them you just you want to learn everything about them and you're obsessed you mm. know but how would it be to actually have that relationship with you to become so deeply committed to learning who you are and building a relationship with yourself and finding internal security so that alone time is actually something that you crave is something that you want as creative beings, I really do see the value in having stimulation and collaborating, but there's such a deep value in going within and finding um, the truth of who you are because we're not our thoughts. We're not our identities. We're so much more than that as a human being. We're so multidimensional. Um, and there's a universe that exists inside of you. And the only way to unlock that is to be present with yourself, to move through the discomfort of um, wanting to avoid yourself as you just mentioned and I think our gen is like notorious for it because we've always had a distraction yeah and get on our phone and get likes or comments or swipe and get approval and totally yeah and we've never had to really wait for anything mm -hmm. like you know even now we we can jump on and watch Netflix and we don't even have to wait for another episode but when we were kids we at least had to wait another week to watch the next Simpsons episode there was yeah. some sort of like um, you know, training to understand the benefits of um, being in the, the discomfort. You know, there's a reward for that. Hunger is really powerful because it makes eating meaningful. And mm -hmm. being in the discomfort with yourself, being in the resistance with yourself allows you to strengthen that appreciation for who it is you are. That's what builds your character. Yeah. So it really is like, to me, the center point of everything. If, if you don't have self-love if you don't if you can't truly look in the mirror and, and say to yourself i love you and, and feel that and mean it and be with yourself in those ways even if you were to go and create all of the success in the world because you're not actually a you're not a vibrational match for that success you will lose it at some point you're going to have a breakdown or something's going to happen and you won't be able to actually maintain that level of success this is where so many people who are wildly successful um end up having a midlife crisis or taking their own lives. Like this, this is a regular story or they're depressed or anxious or stressed or their marriage breaks down. Cause the lack of self love or yeah, they don't, they don't actually know how to be fully with themselves and fill themselves up. So they're in a constant, nothing is ever good enough. They're in a constant search to fill that void. Mm. And that comes at a cost. Eventually it doesn't matter how much you gain unless there's a place of security within yourself. You're creating it from an insecure place it's not they're not going to be secure material possessions it's not going to be a secure relationship that has to start with you first yeah so how, how can somebody how can somebody start i guess practicing self-love and um doing all this and choose themselves first like isn't that kind of selfish definitely not i think that's in a very australian way of looking at yeah, self-love right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aussies. I also am an Aussie, but we really need to rethink that culture. Um, of course, self-love is not 
selfish. I feel there are so many people that lack self-love when, um, when there's someone who really embodies that and they know how to make choices that are aligned to them and their values and they know how to set healthy boundaries and they know what they need to feel empowered. Someone that doesn't have that is of course going to look at them and, and judge it. Mm. Um, Cause that's the mirror, you know, they're yeah. actually, they're, they're being confronted with themselves. Someone with self-love, you know, a, a good way to think about it is maybe when you have something, um, when you're full with something, like if you have a lot of money, for instance, and that's not a struggle for you and you meet someone that doesn't, that is struggling financially, generally you're going to experience um, a level of empathy towards them. But the person with less money is often looking at the person that has more financial security and judging themselves in their mirror and projecting that judgment and thinking that person thinks they're better than me. But quite often that's not the case because Mm. when you are full of something, you generally just have empathy for people that don't have what you have. Um, and self-love is, is quite similar. It's, it's never coming from a selfish frame, but often I think someone that embodies that is judged in those ways by people that haven't yet found that for themselves. That's huge, hey? So, people, mm. yeah, right. And so you're talking about kind of being on the right vibrational frequency and achieving success, right? Because it's so, <clears throat> like, if you start, because I know, like, so often people achieve, achieve huge success and it's kind of it's it's kind of a bad thing in the end if they only want to achieve success for the material things or the money or whatever. But at the same time, it can that's their driving force, right? Mm. How can you achieve massive things in life while like happily achieving instead of achieving happiness, achieving happily, right? Like how do you how can you kind of do that along the way? Um, I think intent is probably the the beginning. Like, what, what's your intention for the success? Um, And are you at a place where you feel um, a sense of attachment to that success? And why do you, why are you experiencing a sense of attachment to that success? Would you still feel the same about yourself if you would lose everything tomorrow? And that's, I think a pretty huge indication around the level of self-love you have. Uh, For me, it's, it remains a practice because I have experienced a lot of success from such a young age to not, identify or associate with that success to be able to go into the forest when you know where there's no other people and i have absolutely no attachments and to still feel the same about myself to still feel that same self-love so when you're building from that place everything that you create is is like a cherry on top it's an Mm. overflow it's not filling you up it's a and it, it feels more beautiful that way and it's also places you in a position where your default will, will most likely be giving service and generosity because you don't need it. Mm-hmm. But whereas if someone is attaching their worth and their value to that material success, a lot of the time they're going to be acting in a way that's possessive, protective, defensive, because that's how they're keeping themselves strong. So they're literally needing to protect it because they don't know who they would be without it. And that's, um, you know, the years I worked in mental health, to me that was the biggest um, reason people struggle with their mental health is they had an insular self-oriented experience that wasn't shared with others. Connection was the solution to all of the addiction that I worked with, all of the mental illness that I worked with in others. Connection was the solution. How do we um, connect? We need to give with the same hand we want to receive. So being in a state where you're willing to share everything because it's not, who you are, mm. it's just an experience you get to have and experiences are often better shared in that way. 
and it's putting you in such a perfect placement to experience such an abundant life. Like to me, that's what abundance truly is to know that we always have what we need in every moment to not be seeking anything outside of that. Yeah. So what's this, what's the whole love out loud movement all about? Let's, let's talk about it. And by the way, I love the title. <laughs> you guys let us know. You guys listening right now, let us know if you love Nicole's love out loud. <laughs> Dreaming out loud, loving out yeah. loud. Yeah. We're on the same vibrational frequency. <laughs> yeah. We're getting the same downloads for sure. Mm. I love it. So what, what is, we were talking a little bit about before, like your whole main thing, your kind of mission, what's mm-hmm. it all about? So the mission of Love Out Loud is the vision statement, we'll start there, is to um, facilitate the world's largest love-based movement. Mm-hmm. And the thinking behind that is um, when you're developing a social movement, uh, there's kind of a few different things that can happen. It can become a subculture, um, which is like a counterculture, so a, a culture that is different to the mainstream culture. And that can hit a point... Um, hit a point where it starts to starts to descend. So it becomes a trend or a hype and then it starts to descend. We see this all the time, fashion trends, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, it can grow to a point where it secures itself as a subculture. So different um, music subcultures, for instance, it's kind of secure that there'll always be a scene for R&B. There's always going to be a scene for acoustic, for instance. But our, mich- our mission is to move from a counterculture to the mainstream way of life. So the way that we've strategized that is to look at, well, what, what does it actually take first and foremost to move a counterculture into the mainstream? You've got to hit a point of critical mass. The strategy we follow is called the 4% rule. So it suggests that if 4% of a populace is engaged, it will create an irreversible momentum and, the, and a contagion and essentially become a mainstream way of life. How many people is 4%? So that's 350 million. All right. Yeah. But it gets sort of more complex because it's not enough, obviously, for 350 people, 350 million people to know about Love Out Loud. It has to be an embodied way of life. Um, So there's many ways that we seek to achieve that through books, literature, content, programs, partnerships with organizations like Mind Valley, you mentioned it earlier. Um, Love Out Loud itself is a philosophy. Uh, it explores different principles of life anchored in love and compassion. I wrote it initially as a book after working with so many people in so many countries and seeing like we focus so much on our differences, but actually our sameness is so much um, greater and the human needs that we all have and um, what it is we uh, you know, crave from life is ultimately, although the stories and the details are different, is so the same. And that is kind of what began my inspiration to write the book. And the book just had a life force of its own, became a movement. And yeah. Yeah. I'm so bummed that I left my book in Bali. Now I can't get back into yeah, Bali. I can, give you, I can give you another one today. Yes. yes. I can give you the audio book too. I remember you saying that. Where can, go, where, where can we get this on Amazon? You can get it on Amazon. You can just go to our website, love-outloud.com as well. Um, yeah, or Audible if you prefer. Yeah. Audiobooks. We'll, put, we'll throw some things in the, the uh, whatever you call it, this episode. Yeah, what do you comments. call it? In the comments. The comments, <laughs> description, description, something like that. Awesome. So for someone listening to this right now then, what are some like, what are your top three ways on how, like how does somebody know? So I only just found out this year that I wasn't feeling my own cup emotionally. Yeah. I thought I was physically. So I'm like, I'm doing what I want, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 
But what I didn't realize what I was actually doing more for other people because if I didn't get their approval, then I would feel like shit. So I would kind of step off my own line. But I only realized this year, 27 now. So what are some kind of, you know, your top three things or what what are some three common things you see in people that that should probably focus on this area? Like how, how can someone know if they need to focus in this area? Yeah, there's some really easy ways to determine like your, your degree of self-love. Um, one really simple way is go and look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself out loud, I love you and gauge your level of discomfort. <laughs> um, and, and notice the thoughts that are running through your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this is awkward. I feel like a wanker. You know, like this is so lame, whatever it is. Um, when you're not practiced in self-love, that'll generally be the the conditioning because that's, I think a lot of us have been conditioned to think that about self-love mm-hmm. as, as you were saying before, that it's only for people. You said people with trauma, but that, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Most of us have trauma, yeah, but we don't recognize it as trauma. Trauma is pretty much anything that um, you've experienced that you didn't have the full emotional or cognitive capacity to process. So most of us, you know, as children have experienced trauma, I would argue a hundred percent of people have trauma, but yeah. conversation for a different day. Yeah. <laughs> um, hence why self-love is universal and so important. Another way would be um, asking yourself, how much time do you spend with yourself? Is it, um, you know, only when you're in the shower, when you're sleeping, maybe not even. And why is that? Mm. Because on a subconscious level, If you're not spending time with yourself, there's a very high chance that you're avoiding it. And why are you avoiding it? We avoid people we don't want to spend time with. We we avoid spending time with ourselves if we're not ready to actually look at what's what's going to come up in in that time and space. It also doesn't count, by the way, if you're spending time by yourself watching Netflix or on social media, distracting yourself in some way, like really just being with yourself, having a practice of being with yourself. Um... Another another way to identify it would be look at the relationships in your life and look at what they reflect back to you. Do you have a lot of people in your life that treat you abusively? Do you have a lot of people in your life that you would consider toxic? How many people in your life would really be there for you and try and elevate you if you were to communicate a goal or a dream that you had? Because the people around us, our relationships are mirrors. Mm. Yeah, to, to how we feel about ourselves. Ultimately, that's what we allow. We allow what we're not willing to confront within ourselves. Right. Mm. So if you have many people around you that are toxic and treating you like shit, mm. you're, it's just, what, what's the word? It's like you're standard. Like you get what you tolerate. Well, you get what you think about yourself. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately a mirror of what you think that you're worth. That's huge. You know what I realized this year? Because... Um, I've been spending time with my, with myself is, um, Good job. <laughs> right, is how much I actually love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually so fun. Like I've, I've gone away and I've done trips or if I do hikes or like I'm looking at, I want to book a trip to Hamilton Island. I've just never been and can't really go many other places. So I'm just like, and someone else was like, yeah, 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 I'll come. I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> I'm going. I was looking at all these things last night. I'm going to go play some golf and I want to dive. And, and the more I started doing I thought it was going to be, I was like actually hanging out with just me. It was going to be so hard. And then I'm like, I actually really freaking like it. It's yeah. like really fun. 
So that's, the avoidance of it's way harder than the actual. Yeah. When you're actually doing it, like it's so liberating to know that you can be with yourself. It's like the realization that I don't need anything outside of me. It's such a powerful place to come to. Yeah. Mm. So good. <laughs> okay. So what what are your top three things that people can start do doing right now to start loving themselves more? Start a practice. It doesn't have to be huge. Begin with maybe twenty or thirty minutes a day of being with yourself whatever that means for you i recommend meditation i think it's the most powerful tool in learning how to be with you um so sit you know and put some really awesome meditative music on and close your eyes and get really comfortable and just explore your inner world start to get to know your nature in that meditation if you've never done something like that before you're going to notice all of the distracting thoughts that are running through your mind that are actually taking you away from your brilliance, taking you away from the truth of your potential. So get to know that because how can we change something if we're not aware of it? Mm -hmm. So that's my first, my first step. Um, The second thing would be um, write down a list of the five people that you spend most time with. It's, this is often recommended by people, but it's a really powerful thing to do. And evaluate, you know, what do they bring to your life? How do you feel when you're around them? I had a friend um, tell me once that she works in uh, supporting people in legal matters. So you can imagine someone that's in that sort of job. They're often called by um, every person left, right and centre who just wants free support, free legal advice. Mm -hmm. So the way that she started to love herself more in that and set stronger boundaries was she just started to put an asterisk next to someone's name if they called her more than three times in a row asking her for something, you know, without really calling in between to see how she was going or um, so that she at least had awareness when they would call. She would be like, wow, this person only wants something from me. And she could set a boundary. Um, The third thing would be, like for me, I guess speaking from personal experience, health is a really big thing. Like sit with how you treat yourself in terms of your your nutrition and, and your fitness and um, your meditation and your sleep and all of these things. You know, are you going out and bendering every weekend and what is the impact of that on your broader well-being? These are huge signs that you're not loving yourself properly and it's the most definitely the most powerful place to begin if Mm -hmm. you want to learn to love yourself start to look after yourself imagine if you had a child for instance um would you how would you feel if um if your child was was eating the things that you were eating or Mm -hmm. doing the things that you were doing you know like how can we start to love ourselves the way that so many of us find it so easy to love the people we love we love our partners that way we love our families that way we love our best friends that way or our children that way but we don't actually know how to love ourselves that way so yeah that's a really powerful place to begin as well we we build actually i just want to add to that we build trust with ourselves when we do what it is we promised ourselves we're going to do and that's that's it so i'm really not a big believer in setting such astronomical goals that you're like guaranteeing yourself into not being able to follow through on that, begin where you're at and just add things over time. Like extend that 20 minutes to an hour to two hours over the course of six months or a year. The most important thing is taking the action you said you were going to take because what actually happens in our neurology, like if I say to myself, I'm going to go to the fridge and get an apple and I go to the fridge and get a chocolate bar, 
I'm teaching myself. I'm teaching my subconscious. I'm teaching my emotions. I can't trust myself. Mm. And when you start to develop beliefs, like I can't trust myself, that's going to play out in every single area of your life. Um, so yeah, we've got to start to develop that. So small things. Yeah. So you can start with small things like we've seen you go go in the gym and waking up at a certain time and doing a certain thing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's huge. And it's like kind of like, cause often we talk about integrity and having integrity, but we always lack it in ourselves. Mm. Right? We, we let ourselves down first. Yeah. You don't keep that word. Mm. Um, there's something you were saying. I was going to say something about it. I can't remember right now. What was the last, what was the third one we're talking about? Um, starting with your physical health and the commitment to your, Oh yeah. With like drinking and stuff. Like obviously like I used to, like when we met in Mexico, um, that was like prime in my life. Like I was just partying hard and never saw it as anything else. You look how many people now that I'm living back on the Gold Coast, I see how many people are actually just this mundane lifestyle. Then Friday comes, they go out and they drink. Like, what are you doing this week? I'm going out. It's like, oh, you're just going out to drink just because it's Friday. Yeah. And then you do it again on Saturday. And like, you're 30 years old, but you still do that. Mm. I'm like, interesting. Because I haven't done that in a long time. But like, my thing is like, I, I don't drink anymore. I only ever drink if I'm with people. My biggest problem is I'm always with people. No, but like I, I really, uh, but that's one thing I've really started to notice. Mm. It's, is that it's like, well, if I really love myself, would I just go and get wasted? Yeah. There's a huge difference in having a bottle of wine with a few friends and taking 15 tequila shots. Yeah. Huge difference. And it's very interesting to look at that. It's like, well, why am I doing that? Mm. What am I doing that just to yeah, escape something or to, subconsciously punish myself for something mm. the guilt trap or or whatever right and uh that's another thing that i've just really realized and really focusing on that it's like i really don't drink anymore like it's very i can't tell you last time i was drunk yeah. like i'll have like one or two but if i, if I ain't gonna drink it's something nice that i would like like i'm not just gonna have a beer for the sake of it i'll get like something just really nice i really enjoy or um or just a nice bowl of wine with cheese and shit things yeah, like that right yeah. something that i'm gonna get to enjoy Versus going out and just drinking for the sake of it, drinking to be sociable. Like I was out the other night and I just drank soda water because I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't want to drink. Like I'm here, I socialize with everybody, but I don't yeah. want to drink because I'm going to feel like crap tomorrow and then tomorrow's going to be worse for me. And if I really cared about me, I think I just started doing that. It's like, well, if I really loved me, what would I do? Yeah. And I think Great when question. people start asking that, they get better answers. And for sure. Yeah. Nicole, I love you. You're incredible. Love you too. Where can everybody find you on social media and get your book? Yeah, again, the book and everything to do with Love Out Loud is love-outloud.com. For me, you can follow me on Facebook, which is my name, or Instagram, which is Nick, and I see Gibson underscore. Would be the best places. Yep. Beautiful. Maybe we should like co co collab some kind of event with Out Loud, like, like a dream and love out loud. Dream and live out loud. Dream and love out loud. Yes. <laughs> 100%. We'll do something awesome. So to wrap this up, though, I got one last question for you. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you were to go back to 18 year old Nicole mm-hmm. and give her 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? She was pretty onto it. I often go back and seek advice from my 18 year old version of myself. Okay. <laughs> no, What's been some what? of the advice you've you've given her in the past? That she's given me, or I've given her. That you've given her. Yeah, for her, 
I think in that point in my life to really know that my value was not determined in my achievements would be would be the biggest thing that you're you're so much more than that and um yeah fundamentally beautiful in who you are i really struggled to own that when i was younger thank you so much for listening guys if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful then please send them my way i'd absolutely love to have them on the show as zig ziglar says if you help enough people get what they want in life you'll have everything you want So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.